Hey, welcome back to the FDIC podcast, where we talk about our banks and our banking system and why that matters to those who deposit money into our banks. I'm Brian Sullivan with the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, and today we talk about one of the core functions of the FDIC, something that's baked into the agency's very name, deposit insurance. In the next two episodes, we're going to break down deposit insurance, what it is, what it isn't, what it covers, what it doesn't, and even confront some of the confusion and, dare I say, misrepresentations about FDIC deposit insurance. Well, there's no better person to talk about deposit insurance than um, Martin Becker, Chief of Deposit Insurance here at the FDIC. Hi, Martin. How are you? Good. How are you, Brian? Oh, great. Thank you. Hey, Martin, this whole notion of uh, the U.S. government guaranteeing people's bank deposits uh, dates back to the Great Depression, right? Give us just a, a bit of a history lesson about deposit insurance, how it came to be in this country, and how now it's really cemented into our financial system. Sure. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, FDIC deposit insurance, which started uh, in um, January 1st of 1934, uh, actually, there, there was a, a little bit of history before that. Uh, in fact, you can go all the way back to 1829 when um, the first state uh, in the country uh, attempted a, a deposit insurance system. And uh, through the years, various states uh, tried deposit insurance systems, but um, they found them unworkable. And uh, it really wasn't until the Great Depression that um, Congress um, uh, decided it was time for a federal system. In fact, an, another interesting fact was between 1886 and uh, the, the Great Depression, uh, Congress uh, attempted to set up a, a federal deposit insurance system 150 different times. So it really oh, took goodness. the Great Depression for uh, the FDIC to uh, uh, be created uh, beginning, uh, as I say, January 1st of 1934 with a, a limit uh, starting at 2,500, which uh, quickly uh, by July 1, when the permanent system uh, began, uh, was increased to $5,000. So you take us back to 1934, and we first started out with insuring people's bank deposits up to $2,500. And here we are today, insuring people's bank deposits up to $250,000 and even more under certain circumstances. Walk us through these deposit insurance limits. Sure. Um, the, the limits uh, have changed um, over the years. Um, uh, as I say, in 1934, we, uh, we were at $5,000 for uh, then about 16 years. And in 1950, the amount increased to $10,000. Uh, and it remained that way until 1966 when uh, it was increased to $15,000. Uh, three years later, in 1969, it was increased to $20,000. Uh, five years later, in 1974, it was increased to $40,000. And in fact, uh, $40,000 was the, the limit when I began in this industry. Uh, uh, in early 1980, um, uh, no sooner did I, I join the industry when um, uh, Congress raised the limit uh, in 1980 to $100,000. Uh, so we we were at $100,000 for then the next uh, 26 years, 
when uh, Congress, again, looked at uh, deposit insurance limits and for uh, certain types of retirement accounts, uh, your individual uh, retirement accounts, your IRAs, uh, as well as your um, self-directed uh, pension funds, such as 401ks, they raised the limit for those types of products from 100000 to $250,000. And then shortly after that, uh, on uh, January 1st of 2010, uh, Congress raised the limit to $250,000, which is where we are today, um, with the possibility of increases uh, occurring based on um, uh, inflation. Yep. Well, let's let's get into the sort of deposit uh, products that are insured and what what types of products are not insured by the FDIC. Sure. The the most important thing for consumers to recognize is that um, uh, when um, uh, working with a, an, an FDIC member bank, uh, and if you're looking for FDIC deposit insurance coverage, you have to place your funds in what is known as a deposit product. And the most common types of deposit products uh, are known as um, uh, DDAs or demand deposit accounts. These are like checking uh, accounts and savings accounts. A checking account, for example, yes. Um, another common uh, type is a money market deposit account or an MMDA. Uh, your uh, time and savings deposits, which uh, include certificates of deposits. Uh, and uh, there's also uh, official bank uh, items, uh, checks uh, such as cashier's checks or money orders, uh, interest checks, loan disbursement checks. So those are the are the most common types of, of the product uh, deposit products that you will see um, at a bank. And to be clear, are digital or crypto assets FDIC insured? No, crypto assets are not insured. But your question gives me another opportunity to emphasize that anyone who has a question about deposit insurance coverage, including what products are or are not insured, well, we've got a ton of information to help. It's easy. Just visit our website at www.fdic.gov and search for deposit insurance. That's a good tip. Martin, um, is it possible for an individual to have more than $250,000 in any single FDIC-insured bank and still be fully insured? Well, it is. Uh, the FDIC has a, a bit what we refer to as... Um, uh, ownership categories uh, or deposit uh, rights and capacities. And so the, the first thing that we have to look at is who is the depositor? And the FDIC uh, really has three broad categories that we look at uh, depositors. Um, one category is individuals. Right. Uh, another broad category is business entities. And then the third category is governmental entities. Now, for individuals such as you and me, yep. uh, there is the opportunity to have more than $250,000. Uh, probably the most common uh, category that is available to individuals uh, is the revocable trust category. And under the revocable trust category, uh, a owner of the funds uh, can name um, one or more beneficiaries and potentially have more than $250,000. Uh. 
so uh, for example, uh, Brian, um, uh, you, uh, let's say you have two children. Uh, there's a formula that we use uh, in the case of you naming your two children in a payable and death account. It would be one owner times two beneficiaries times $250,000, which would mean that deposit would be insured for up to $500,000. Under what circumstances, Martin, does the FDIC pay deposit insurance claims to depositors? So that's a great question, Brian, and, and it's a question uh, that um, we get uh, uh, quite often uh, through our, um, our, our toll-free number, uh, 1-877-ASK-FDIC. And uh, the answer to that question is that the FDIC only pays deposit insurance coverage in the event that an FDIC member institution should fail. That is, the, the bank is placed into receivership uh, and will no longer be operating. How long does it typically take for the FDIC to pay deposit insurance claims to depositors? Well, it's, it's pretty quick. Uh, the FDIC pays deposit insurance uh, typically within one, maybe two business days of a bank failure. It might take a bit longer if you have a unique situation. In other words, if you uh, have placed your funds in an FDIC member bank using uh, a broker, uh, then it would be up to the broker, who is the third party and has all the documentation about you, to provide to the FDIC information about who you are and what your interest was in the deposit account. So we can make a determination as to what the applicable amount of insurance coverage is. And that could take a bit longer. Martin, you get questions all the time and have for years now from just everyday folks reaching out and asking all kinds of questions about deposit insurance. What are some of the most frequently asked that you get? Well, the, the, the question that you've hit upon as to what happens when the bank fails, how quickly uh, will um, uh, I receive my funds is, is, is very common. Um, but we often get questions asked uh, by individuals who really want to know um, what are the different ways that, that I might be uh, insured. And as individuals, uh, you can actually place funds uh, in different ways in an FDIC insured bank and be insured separately. Uh, and again, this gets back to this concept of these ownership categories. Right. So, for example, you as an individual, um, if you have, uh, say, $10,000, you can open an account in your name alone for $10,000, and it's insured um, separately from, say, if you open an account with another person right. in a what's called account. a joint account. Yeah, yeah. And that would be insured separately for up to $250,000. If you had an uh, individual retirement account, that would be a third way that you could be insured for up to $250,000. And uh, a fourth way we've already touched upon would be if you had a revocable trust, such as a payable and death account. Right. So there, as an individual, there are a number of different ways that you can place funds in an FDIC insured bank and be separately insured. If, if uh, a, a depositor places their or deposits their funds at, at different branches of the same bank, uh, are they separately insured for up to $250,000 or it's just that single institution that we're, we're looking at? Uh, that's a great question. And no, they, they, if you're looking at different branches of the same bank, 
then we would add together uh, all the funds that you have in the same ownership category placed through different branches in uh, meeting the insurance limit. Um, that would also, we get questions about if I walk into, say, the brick and mortar branch versus uh, uh, placing funds through the internet with the same bank, all those funds would be added together in reaching the insurance limit or in calculating the insurance limit. Now, I track some of uh, the FDIC social media accounts, and I know that we get all kinds of uh, commentary from people believing that FDIC deposit insurance applies in their situation. And there are a million situations out there, right? And, and, and you and your staff field questions from people all the time about retirement planning and whether or not deposit insurance applies to their circumstances. Um, how do you approach your job? Because people come at you from all different kinds of directions. Do you feel as though people out there really understand deposit insurance? Well, um, th that's a good question. And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we do find uh, some misunderstandings about uh, when FDIC deposit insurance uh, applies. And as we've touched upon, there's really only one situation that applies, and that's when an FDIC insured bank fails. So, for example, if, if you suffer some kind of um, a loss uh, of, of funds, uh, your funds are, uh, um, you have funds that are stolen, FDIC deposit insurance only applies in the event uh, that the bank fails and you have a deposit account at the bank. Right. So uh, that is one of the things that, that we like to emphasize to people. Well, um, maybe that's the way we simplify it enough for the purposes of this podcast is that FDIC deposit insurance only applies in the event, these days a rather rare event, that an FDIC insured institution were to fail. Yes. Okay. Well, Martin, thank you so much for, for joining us to talk about deposit insurance. Uh, in part two of our conversation, we'll tackle uh, broker deposits, something called pass-through deposit insurance, and some of the confusion and, as I mentioned before, perhaps even misrepresentations circulating out there about deposit insurance. So we look forward to that. And Brian, I would just like to close by saying uh, the FDIC uh, is very committed to answering consumers' questions, um, and um, we have a, a team of uh, uh, really deposit insurance experts that is absolutely uh, happy to answer any deposit insurance coverage question that, that you might have. And it's as simple as uh, calling us during uh, normal business hours. Uh, we ha It's a, not an 800 number. It's an 877 number. It's one 877-ASK-FDIC or 1-877-275-3342. And as I say, we would be happy to answer uh, any uh, question that you might have about your FDIC deposit insurance coverage. Martin Becker, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian.